Welcome to The V-Hive, a platform focused on women's intimate health. With weekly episodes from the field's top practitioners, we discuss all of the things you've always thought about but never wanted to talk about. On this podcast, we are making the highest quality information on the most beloved part of your body accessible, understandable, and implementable. I'm your host, Hannah Matluck, and I started this platform as a result of my own experience with chronic pelvic pain. Throughout the years I spent healing my body, I became overwhelmingly interested and passionate about these topics and have made it my mission to create awareness and education on the complexities of the female body. Before we get into this week's episode, I want to quickly share with you guys that if you are interested in receiving exclusive monthly bonus content, you can become a member of The Beehive by going to www.thebeehive.com backslash memberships. Not only will you unlock access to healthy recipes, ask me anything episodes, and so much more, but you will also be helping to support this podcast. So check out our membership options at www.thevhive.com backslash memberships. Gabby Bernstein, welcome to the VHive. I am so beyond excited to have you here. It's been a long time coming. Your story is amazing. I have been a huge fan and follower of yours. And when I actually heard you on Nicole Sachs' podcast, I was like, I mean, I would have wanted you to come on the podcast since day one. But when I heard you on her podcast, I was like, oh my God, I didn't know that you were as involved in mind-body medicine and TMS and all of all of that work and it's something that I've been very into for the past year and have been talking a lot about on the podcast so in addition to you just sharing your story and telling us about your life and your struggles with infertility and postpartum anxiety and depression I also am excited to get into your involvement in mind-body medicine um, but first, thank you so much for being here today. Oh, that's so cool. And I'm so, I, anytime I get a chance to talk about the Sarno work, I'm like, let's go. <laughs> so that's cool. <laughs> Amazing. For those of you who may not be familiar with Gabby, she is a motivational speaker and a number one New York Times bestselling author. But first, just tell us a little bit more about who you are and how you got to where you are today. Sure. Um, I am a mom now, a mom to Oliver. <laughs> I am a author. I've just published my eighth book. I'm writing my ninth book, which is wild. And my journey really began when I was 25 years old. My journey of uh, becoming a, a motivational speaker and author became uh, my career path at 25. Uh, at the, around that time, I got sober from drugs and alcohol. In my sober recovery, I, I really reclaimed a lot of the spiritual roots that had been planted when I was a child. My mom was a very spiritual woman and or is. And uh, I then started to develop practices that I relied on to really feel better. Very quickly started speaking publicly about all of this and then started writing books. And it became not only my personal life path as a human trying to just live in this world feeling good no matter what, but most importantly to really carry the message and help other people. So 
that's what I've been up to for the last 15 years. <laughs> it's crazy to think that, so I was at your book launch in New York, um, the most recent one, and it's crazy to think that that was the last public big event that we were all probably at, in New York at least, um, before COVID happened. I know. I so look at wild. videos from my book tour and it makes me so sad. It's I know. so weird. I but anyways. I look forward to gathering again. So do day. I. It was amazing. It was so special. And it is kind of cool to think that that was the last event that I went to. And hopefully there will be many more in the future. But I first want to start with your journey conceiving and the challenges that you faced. I know that this is something you speak about very openly, which I admire and think is incredible and I know has helped so many women what did this journey look like for you and how did you navigate it so I I decided that I wanted to have a baby or wanted to try to conceive shortly after I got married in uh 2000 I think it was 2015 that I was started trying to conceive uh, I didn't actually birth my child until 2018. So you can see that there was three years there that I felt very deeply sad and overwhelmed um, because I had been trying naturally to conceive that whole time and it wasn't happening. And it really um, tested my faith and it tested my um, my resilience and all that comes up with that. But, but by the grace of God, truly, I conceived in 2018. And I look back now and can say, thank you, Lord, that that did not happen a day sooner. Because Mm -hmm. I gave birth to my son at the perfect time in my life. And so that I could be a container for, uh, to hold a deep bond with another human and also be a stage in my career and my marriage and my personal life where I was ready enough to be able to hold him in a way that he would feel supported. And so I believe that my son made the call. You know, mm-hmm. I believe that the baby, the babies decide when it's, when it's the right time. And I think that they make that call often to help, help us as mothers and fathers uh, develop our own personal growth and spiritual experiences before the child comes, or sometimes the child comes unexpectedly as a result of helping the person develop more spiritually and psychically. So I I just, I really have no question that that, and especially now as I'm trying to conceive the second time and, um, you know, just, just uh, delays and hiccups along the way. It's just, I don't, question it anymore mm-hmm. I, it took me three years of of infertility to get to a place i don't even like using the word infertility by the way just three years of just not getting pregnant yet yeah. um that to to really challenge me to get to the place that i'm in now where i have a really strong sense of faith that these children come to us when they're ready and when it is the is of the highest good for us as mothers mm-hmm. i agree i that the word infertility that's a really good point it's not the best word because no one's really infertile. It's just there may be challenges and struggles along the way, but you can overcome them. And I think that, as you mm-hmm. just said, the word infertility kind of, and we'll get into this, but it it promotes fear and anxiety mm-hmm. and anger, mm-hmm. and that doesn't help to get pregnant. So it's mm-hmm. not really a productive mm-hmm. word. Yeah, I like that a mm-hmm. lot. So you got pregnant. You had your first baby. And I've also heard you speak about the beautiful 
pregnancy and delivery experience that you had. And I want everyone listening to just hear a little bit of that. Yeah, I I had the most incredible pregnancy. I I was sick for the first three months, but well, really, maybe eight weeks I was sick. And um, that's annoying and a bummer. I want to say sick, just nauseous, Mm -hmm. you know, irritable and tired. But um, I had a very typical pregnancy. And my, uh, my journey was beautiful. I had uh, a lot of great personal growth moments, a lot of physical experiences, being pregnant, loving the physical experience of being pregnant. I also never felt more beautiful in my life being pregnant. And I practiced hypnobirthing, which I would highly recommend to anyone. And my hypnobirthing journey really set me up for a pain-free delivery. So... When I say pain-free, it doesn't mean that I didn't experience pain, but the pain wasn't scary. Mm-hmm. And so I, and I think that's the gift that hypnobirthing is. Hypnobirthing is meditations, affirmation, and hypnosis to help you, and visualization that helps you birth fearlessly. So I, I just, I cannot emphasize enough how valuable it was. And I think that anyone that's delivering right now during COVID and may not be able to have a doula with them and may not be able to birth in a hospital, I I would highly recommend doing hypnobirthing because it's going to be a tool that you can access for yourself to empower you to really be more resilient throughout Mm -hmm. that process. Amazing. That's so interesting. And what happened afterwards? Like what, what did this, you had your son and then when did your anxiety and depression begin? Right. So I had the most beautiful birth. Labor delivery was incredible. It was the best day of my life. I read about it in my book, Super Tractor. It was incredible. Mm -hmm. It was by far the best day of my life. And then I had a great first few months, and this is an important distinction because a lot of people are like, oh, you only get postpartum in the first six weeks. Like, I know doctors that have said that to me. And I'm like, right. you're fucking out of your mind. That's not true. <laughs> so um, three months in, I started having anxiety and then insomnia and then anxiety attacks, agoraphobia, um, and probably a few months, two months of insomnia before I, or three months of insomnia before I accepted my diagnosis, before I really accepted that this wasn't just a new mom problem but that it was a biochemical condition right and finally I hit a bottom like a humongous bottom I was suicidal I was just so depressed and so anxious I was so skinny I was like 98 pounds it was terrible my poor baby I couldn't even recognize him and he was at the time probably five months but this went on from like when he was three months to uh, I got diagnosed at around five and a half months, six mm-hmm. months. And uh, thankfully, I was led to a amazing postpartum psychiatrist who diagnosed me on the spot within seconds. She was like, you have postpartum anxiety and depression. And uh, I got on Zoloft, which was something that saved my life. And, you know, I think that there's a huge stigma around mental illness there's a huge stigma around postpartum I was just talking to a girlfriend today who's like literally describing every single symptom I have and she's like yeah you know I'm just taking a lot of melatonin and and you know whatever else she's taking you know and and it's like I'm not judging her I'm just holding space for her right so I just continue to say okay let me know when you need me let me know when you need me let me know and I'm not saying if you need me I'm like let me know when you need me because this is something that happens to so many women but there's so much shame around it that it goes undiagnosed for way too long and not being diagnosed 
properly and getting on a path of recovery can be really detrimental to your nervous system. And it can also create a lot of PTSD for mothers. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, it can, it can really just you know, affect your relationships. It affects your bonding time with your child. So listen, I'm not a big fan of big pharma and, and antidepressants, but when you're having a biochemical condition, you need to take care of yourself. If you, if someone said you're having a heart condition, you wouldn't blink before taking blood thinners. So I think it has to be really something to be considered with the proper diagnosis from a psychiatrist or an OBGYN Mm -hmm. because there's too many people that go undiagnosed and that leads to death. So, and that would have been the case for me. I mean, I was, if I had not gotten medical support, I would have absolutely done something harmful to myself. And that's after authoring, you know, seven self-help books at the time, right? Mm-hmm. So I know I know God gave me postpartum depression so that I could really speak on behalf of mental illness in a, a more meaningful way. Yeah, and that's exactly what I want to touch upon is that you come from this career and background and experience where going on a pharmaceutical probably prior to this was just something that you were completely unfamiliar with and would have been pretty hesitant to do. But I think that, you know, now that you're so outspoken about this story and about this journey of yours, you realized how it wasn't something, and I've heard you say this before, it wasn't something that you could meditate your way through or journal your way through. It was really something you had you had to go on a medicine and how that's okay and that's part of the process. And I just want you to talk about that a little bit more, like how you came to accept this. Sure. I, um, I came to accept it by the point where I'd never missed a speaking engagement in my entire 15 years as a, as a motivational speaker. And uh, I had a talk in New York City the night before I didn't sleep at all, as I didn't every night. I ended up calling the event producer and canceled my talk, which was my bottom. That was my bottom. Mm-hmm. You'd think like saying I want to kill myself on Mother's Day would have been my bottom, but really it took me to miss a speaking engagement. <laughs> um, so at that stage, I, I just knew I had to get help and that's when I asked for help. And then that's when I was guided to the best resources that were available. The The problem is, is those resources are not available to everyone. Right. So I'm really behind organizations like Postpartum International and, and, and the resources like uh, the Motherhood Center in New York City. They're doing a lot online right now. I cannot emphasize enough the importance of finding help when you're in that state. When I made the commitment to get on medication, it was extremely scary and shameful. I didn't even speak about the medication at first. I just told people I had postpartum without that I was doing a medicated path. And then I was like, fuck it. I was like, let me right. just tell the truth because the truth will save lives. Yeah. It has. Yeah. Truthfully, I, I've had so many people email me saying I would never have taken medication if it weren't for you. I was brought up homeopathic. I had never taken, I'd never even gone to the, to the uh, pharmacy to fulfill a prescription. My husband had to go with me. Cause I was like, what do I do? He's like, hand them the piece of paper. <laughs> so I, 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 so from having never been on anything to being on, on a medication was very new to me, but it was the most amazing gift I was ever given because it gave me the safety to not only recover from this horrific experience, 
but also a deep level of safety and a new baseline to do more personal growth work. Right. So I think that's something that we really miss. Sometimes people just take meds and they just think they can check out. Truly what, what you want to do is you want to get to that safety and then what are you going to do with it? What is mm-hmm. your, what, how, how are you going to grow more? Are you going to be able to do deeper therapy now that you're not so uh, hypervigilant? Are you going to be able to go further into your somatic experience because you're no longer in fight or flight? Like what, you know, what are you going to do with that baseline? Right. So that's my question to people. And I that's think, the gift it gave me. Yeah, I think that's so important. And it is, it's true that you have to really look at it in the sense of this is something that is okay, that is here to help you. And it doesn't mean that you'll have to be on a medication forever or that this is the rest of your life. <laughs> Absolutely not. Yeah. But yeah. But you want to make sure that you're working with a psychiatrist who can properly diagnose you, properly guide you to slowly get on the medication and then very slowly get off the medication. These are mm-hmm. not medications that you should mess around with. Mm-hmm. They are serious. They, they, they do change your brain. Yeah. So you want to just make sure that you're working with someone who can really guide you through that process. Mm-hmm. I also want to talk about the choose again method for a few minutes because this is something that helped me tremendously from your most recent book. And I know it's something that you talk about a lot as well. And, and I just think it's such a powerful tool for everyone to have. Will you explain mm-hmm. what the choose again method is? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and this is a method that really helped me a lot throughout my postpartum, I'm not going to say my postpartum experience, I refer to it as the postpartum experience that I had, because I don't want to make it mine. So during that period, I was using this a lot, but it's a method of recognizing the thought that you have on repeat, the incessant fearful thought that is just repeating and repeating and repeating. Notice the thought is step one. Step two is to really forgive yourself for having the thought. Just forgive yourself for having the thought. And that step is important because when you forgive yourself for having that thought, it no longer allows you to identify as the thought that you're having. You can see the thought as something separate from yourself. The third step is such a beautiful step, which is to choose again. And that's when you start to reach for the next best feeling thought and you start to guide your way out. So when I was in the depths of depression, it's very hard to find a best feeling thought, but that day maybe it was, okay, I slept an extra hour or I know that I'm now on a medicated path and it will begin to work in a month or two. And just reaching for thoughts that were more hopeful than the thoughts that are so desperate and fearful. Mm-hmm. That's really what that's, that's what the method is. It's a really proactive method, very similar to cognitive behavioral therapy, just really using your, the power of your thoughts to guide your way out. And it's so helpful because, I mean, at least for me, like, it's so easy to wake up in the morning and have a million negative thoughts like, oh, what's going on with the world? Why is this the way it is? Why why do I have to do this today? Why do I have to do that? But those are all choices. Like you, you kind of choose the thoughts that you have and you can choose to have better thoughts, which is exactly what the choose again method is. It's choosing a better thought. Mm-hmm. And I think once you're aware that you actually can choose a better thought, then you can just, it's, it's easier to do. But if you don't even know that it's like an option, it seems so obvious, but it's so not when you're like in your head. Mm-hmm. Totally. Um, totally, totally, totally. So, okay, now I want to go into your journey with TMS and mind-body medicine. And for anyone listening, I also urge you to check out the podcast that you did with Nicole because you talk a lot about this on there. 
Um, but it was so interesting. And, and now I want you to share some of this on, on here because I think that, I mean, this, the VHive is really a lot about women's sexual health and, and a lot about chronic pain in regards to sexual health issues. And a lot of that is TMS and mind body kind of issues. So what, like, how did you first get interested in this and then it it makes so much sense to me now because all of your work is like so connected with the whole mind body realm Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. um what did you like what symptoms did you have what was what was the tms that you experienced and how did you find your way to you know dr sarno and nicole and all of these other amazing people Mm -hmm. well I think I had lived with TMS for like 39 years. I'm 40 now. <laughs> so uh, I, I became aware of Sarno's work really originally for my husband who had back pain. Then I right. just practiced I've, it on myself. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah, I practiced it a little bit on myself and then I kind of detoured away. Right. But when it came down to my genuine recovery, it was really my real like leaps and bounds in my own personal growth and recovery happened after the postpartum diagnosis because once again, I was at this new safety baseline. I I have a trauma history, which I think anyone who has a lot of physical pain is typically, typically anyone with a traumatic history, particularly childhood trauma, will wind up with some kind of physical uh, diagnosis that is a direct reflection of the psychosomatic condition. Mm -hmm. So that's one of the things Arnold talks about a lot. The the and, and particularly for women, I think in the in the uh, vaginal region would yeah. be an area where I think a trauma may may present itself for women. For me, it was in the gut, so it was mm-hmm. really gastrointestinal issues that I struggled with for decades. Oh, now I have the perfect digestion. I can eat anything. Mm-hmm. I can I can do anything food wise. I'm so healthy, but not because. My diet has changed. My diet's always been beautiful. Like, yeah. I've always been the same. Right. I'm in, but it, it's because my mind has changed because I am no longer living in a state of hyperarousal. I'm no longer in fight or flight. I'm no longer constantly uh, cutting off oxygen and circulation to my to my viscera because I am currently at ease. And so, being at ease, your your body can heal. Yeah, it's, it's really that simple. Mm-hmm. Being at, but it's not that simple to get there. But that is the simplicity of the of the of the method. Right. Uh, really repudiating the pain was a first step for me. But then one thing that that really healed me was what something that that um, that Nicole had prescribed to me, which is journal speak, which I'm sure you've told your people about. Mm-hmm. I renamed it Rage on the Page. Oh, that's good. <laughs> I, just, I like that. I just started just raging on the page every day, and I've been doing it all throughout COVID, and I got my sleep back, and my 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 stomach is great, and I just, I've never felt better in my life in the midst of this really horrific crisis in the world. Mm-hmm. So no matter where we are and what's going on around us, we can we can have a good experience if we're healing ourselves, if we're conscious of ourselves. Rage on the Page is good. I like that. Um, <laughs> And then in addition to that, or I guess also prior, what, because I know that, what did your, or does your meditation practice look like? And what other tools did you use, you know, prior to discovering Rage on the Page? So I've been, I've been on a personal growth and spiritual path for, God, uh, 15 years. Well, really my whole life, but for 15 years I've had 
a really devoted practice and the and obviously as a teacher so i i would say i um have always practiced meditation meditation has been something that's that was really keeping me alive really and sustainable and and it was something i used to just continue to just come back to baseline but now i feel like i can live at baseline which is such a different thing mm-hmm. that comes with years of meditation and years of therapy and years of spiritual growth major trauma recovery commitment really what i would just say is commitment to my own well-being and my personal growth mm-hmm. what other methods from your most recent book super attractor do you think would be helpful to share with everyone listening? We talked about the choose again method, but there's so many others. There's a method in the book called spiritually aligned action. Mm -hmm. And I like this method for the reader or for anyone, because right now I think when we feel out of control, one of the ways that we respond to that is to be really reactive, like do something quickly, you know, like, like pick up the phone and make that call that it's going to, we're going to regret later. So when we get into a place of taking action from, from spiritual alignment, that requires us to have a desire, but really be in, in, in a place of, of love and service around that desire. So really having the desire, but really being in an energy of it's this or whatever is of the highest good, really surrendering the desire. And then being in faith that what we need and what we desire is coming in a form that may even be better than our own. Mm-hmm. And so when we're in that state, that's the state that we want to take action from. Because when we take action from a place of control or fear or manipulation, we block our ability to manifest. So practicing taking action from a place of a grounded, spiritually aligned space is when we can really know that the action is backed with a positive energy that has more momentum and then the final step of this is to be patient because we get in the way of manifesting when we try to force things into, into being. Right. The last thing that I want you to touch upon that, that relates to this is things happening to us or for us for a reason. And I deeply believe that everything in our life happens for a reason. Um, And I once, I just think that you would be able to speak to this so well, but I once posted something on Instagram along those lines and someone said, you know, I'm in such bad pain. There is absolutely no reason that this is happening to me, that this should happen to anyone. And it's really hard in that moment to actually be able to come up with a response that, I mean, there is no response really, but I think that it is an important topic because when people are in the depths of their of their pain or trauma or anxiety or depression it's hard to see the greater purpose but i wanted Mm -hmm. to know Mm -hmm. what your thoughts are on that i love that question thank you i think that we part one of our survival mechanisms when we're in an acute traumatic state or in a physical state of pain or in any kind of place of 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 immobility one of the survival mechanisms is hope so having hope for something better is a way out mm-hmm. it's not the way out but it is a door opener it helps us open up our consciousness to solutions to creative solutions beyond our 
logic and reason. So if someone that's listening is really suffering physically or emotionally, there's the moment that we say there has to be a better way. We open an invisible door. That's when we are guided to a book that may heal us or we're guided to that therapist that gives us the strength to, to grow or whatever it is that we need. But when we're unwilling to be open to creative possibilities and unwilling to open up our consciousness to receive guidance, that's when we block the miracle. That's when we block the moment of, of, of support. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. If you had to give one last piece of advice for everyone listening, what would it be? Care for yourself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> care about yourself and care for yourself in whatever form comes to you, whatever form is, is, is really uh, resonant for you, whether it's uh, through therapy or spiritual books or listening to the work of Sarno and, and, and the work that you're sharing, whatever it may be, but make, make it a priority to care for yourself. Mm-hmm. Are there any resources you have to recommend for everyone listening? I have so many, but one <laughs> that's beautiful. That I recently did a uh, anxiety relief workshop that is free. If you go to my website, gabbybernstein.com. But I also just came out with a Audible original called You Are the Guru, which also is free on Audible to anyone who has an Audible Plus membership. But you can do that 30-day free trial and get get it, my get my audio for free. I'm going to download that yeah. when we get off. Yeah. That's exciting. Oh, you Are the Guru. You Are yeah, the Guru. Totally. Amazing. Congrats. Um, yeah. Thanks, babe. Yeah. And where can everyone contact you and follow you and become a Gabby Bernstein I'm- fan? <laughs> I'm at, at Gabby Bernstein on social and my website's gabbybernstein.com. Perfect. Thank you again. This was so exciting and so informational and educational. And I can't wait for everyone to hear your story and get involved in, in all of the work that you do because it's incredible. Thank you. Thank you, Mama.